you're listening to the Counseling Clinic Podcast with Aisha J. And Lisa Michelle, the show for up-and-coming mental health professionals, advocates, and anyone else wanting to learn more about the mental health field from two not-so-professional professionals. The discussions in our episodes are not a replacement for seeking professional, individual mental health care and should not be viewed as part of one's own personal mental health treatment. Our conversations are geared toward assisting mental health professionals, advocates, and others interested with thought-provoking ideas and resources. For our full disclosure statement, visit our website at thecounselingclinicpodcast.com. Hello, folks. Hey, everyone. Welcome back if you're a returning listener. If you're new here, we're happy to have you. Thanks for joining us. We are still relatively at the beginning of season seven. So this is only the second episode of season seven. And today we are going to talk to you about decision making. Yeah, this topic has been big right now. You know, everything, especially coming out of COVID, we make a lot of decisions and we're tired. We're tired of having to choose so many things and having so many options. Yeah, and then like the rest of the world too, right? Like decision-making in general, we have so much access to everything, right? So we'll talk to you guys about decision-making, but also as it pertains to being in therapy, right? Right. So let's jump in. So first, let's talk about the expectations of decision-making in therapy. The first one that I can guarantee you is wrong (laughs) is... Clients sometimes expect clinicians to make decisions for them in the form of like telling them what to do, sharing their opinions, giving advice, stuff like that. And that's just not what clinicians do. And you guys know that I feel very strongly about that. (laughs) Um, If you have been here for a time, you know that I call people out on this all the time. We are not advice givers. Um, And just so you know, there are very rare occasions when you actually need like real live advice. That's true. There's not a lot of stuff that you need actual advice about, you know? Right. The only one that I can even think of off the top of my head is like, like career stuff, because that's like specialty era, but like it's specialty area. <laughs> like, um, but I mean, think about it. Like most of the time, like if you want quote unquote advice for dating, that's not stuff you don't know. That's just what, like you don't want to be the one to decide because mm. of decision making. But you usually have all the information, you know, the same as like even, you know, cooking or raising kids or um how to talk to stuff like you don't generally need quote advice for stuff yeah and i think this might be a good time to talk about a difference in like learning how to do something versus advice right exactly exactly thank you for doing that because i didn't specify what advice is and i think that's important because i'm talking about like actual advice hey what do you think i should do right So with learning, you know, for example, you mentioned raising kids, right? There's a lot of great information to learn about raising children. Yes. Right. That is doing research, maybe hearing somebody who's trained in the thing speak Mm -hmm. on the topic, right? Or certain topics. That's different, right? That's different than someone. Hey, what do you think I should do? Right. Right. Because Because in that moment, you're looking for tell me what to do and what to not do. And that's different than you learning and implementing it on your own. 
But not only that, the reason I say that and I use that as an example is because those are the things you've heard already. You ask that person, you ask your grandma about that because you've heard her say, well, if that was my kid, you know, you, those are the things that you have heard. So that is also not advice. That's regular stuff that you've been hearing your whole life, Mm. you know? That's what I mean when I say that. So again, thank you for for making me explain more clearly. <laughs> no worries. But I will say this, you know, as far as clients coming in, and I've had, I've probably shared this before, I've had a couple of clients come in. And when I say in my spiel in the beginning, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. I'm here to help you figure out what it is you need or want or understand, right? Mm-hmm. I've had a couple of clients say, well, then what are we here? Like, you're not going to tell us what you <laughs> truly. And I was right. like, no, that's not my job. And he said, well, then why are we here? And I'm like, and I think okay. that's a fair question. Sure. I also think that that's kind of what, what um, clients mean when they say stuff like, well, you're the expert, so shouldn't mm-hmm. you be telling me? Yeah. But I think that is, again, our responsibility. Right. Y'all know we are all about our roles right in here. <laughs> We all about being accountable for our responsibility. I think that's our responsibility as clinicians to to talk about that up front, right? That's not how I do things. I am not here to tell you what to do. You are going to be the lead in therapy. And most of the time, at least quite often, one of the bigger issues is you running from yourself. You want me to do it so mm-hmm. that you don't have to do it. I'm not going to help you do that in therapy because that's not that's not therapeutic, babe. Like that's that's not it. <laughs> that's me bossing you around, right? So I would say, clinicians, if you're listening, go ahead and address this, whether it's in yes. your opening spiel or um, once they've made that assumption known. Get, help them to understand that we're not making the decisions. But we're here to help them pull out whatever they need. So like make sure that that's known so that they're not expecting something of you and getting disappointed each and every session that you didn't tell them how to live their life. Right. And to be clear, I think that that is also different than asking for guidance. Yes. You know, um, there's there's guidance counselors, right? (laughs) That's a great, yes. But, um, you know, that is different than, hey, what do I do? Also, as a clinician, I think that you could be aware of when the client is asking you because they are generally confused or um, versus when they really just want you to do it for them or versus them running from themselves and looking for anybody to do it for them. But with all that said, therapy can still help. So bring your decision-making issues to therapy, right? Because that's where your clinician can challenge you, right? And help you get to the root of your issue, whether it's you running from yourself, right? <laughs> um, you running from yourself. So, and I'll, I'll give a, um, like a current example of this. You know, uh, right now we're all up in arms about, uh, white men being in charge, right? And so we may, I know I specifically am seeing it, but I'm sure I'm not the only one. We may be seeing white men coming in and having significant trouble with decision making, right? Are people going to be okay with me saying this? Do I get to choose? Am I taking somebody else's spot by making the choice? Am I being too pushy? things like that. Um, And so I think that's where therapy can help and is helpful. It, you know, 
pendant clinician and therapeutic relationship and where the client allows you to go, right? All of that stuff. But that's where therapy is helpful to be able to get to the root of those things and talk about um, even whether it's a specific decision or even if it's an issue with decision making in general. Mm, Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the journey of decision making. Um, So as you guys know, we've kind of alluded to at the beginning of the episode that decision making has been hard for people, right? So Michelle, go ahead and share the stats with us about decision fatigue. Yes. So (laughs) as always, we have these links posted below, but um, the first one is from Eva Krakow from Psychology Today. She shares that daily we make approximately 35,000 decisions. Yikes. Yeah. And, but, but I think we can use that to our advantage though, be you a clinician or on the client side, right? Because those are the things that we forget about, right? You still have to decide to actually get out of the bed, right? (laughs) You don't feel like, like that's a decision that you get to make, right? Well, I have to brush my teeth. I have to use the bathroom, but it is a decision. And I think that that can work to your benefit. Sometimes when you remind yourself of of your decisions, especially when like as a parent talking to kids or even as a clinician working with kids, right? You have the power to do this. You make decisions all day long, right? You may feel like you're not good at it, but didn't you take a shower today? Like that was a great choice. You know, (laughs) you did it. You can handle it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's the thing that we're making decisions when we're not even thinking about them. Yeah. You know, it's still a decision to follow through with the action. You know, we've talked in he- on here, in here, <laughs> uh, on here a lot about not making a decision is a decision. Mm-hmm. And so if we're including all of that, the whole gambit, then yes, we do make a ton of decisions a day, 35,000 or what, what have you. So it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't hopefully surprise anyone that, we have decision-making fatigue, that we are tired and stressed. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense too, though, right? Um, Especially like with the change of lifestyle, like how we live our lives, right? Remember, we used to be, right, women in the house, men outside of the house. And so we would have like one person doing decisions for each thing, right? Mm-hmm. But now we decided we, we wanted to compete about it for whatever reason. And we, you know, we all want to be a part of all of decisions, all of the decisions. And now we don't want to be a part of all of the decisions. <laughs> right. So with being more tired with being more stressed comes this idea of like, well, when and how do we make these decisions? Um, so there have been studies about different times of day, different situations, but at the end of the day, we need to look at the fact that these decisions and the decisions we're making while we're fatigued from making decisions have consequences. Mm -hmm. So Aaron Wildermuth from Full Focus writes that judges were significantly more likely to grant parole in the morning than in afternoon. Morning cases were released 70% of the time, while those in the late afternoon saw a release rate of less than 10%. That is so unfortunate, but like, can't you just see how much sense that makes? Not Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like, can't you just see how that falls in the place is what I mean. Right. That's, as yeah. sucky as that is. Yeah. Yeah, but it, and it shows that there's especially these decisions that have weight, mm-hmm. um, things like judges, doctors, 
therapist, you know, whatever it is, even though we're consumed by all the small decisions, we mm-hmm. still got to make big ones too. Right. Right. And at the end of it, it shows that people are people, right? right? You know, we all get tired. We get fatigued. Yeah, this is important, but get out of my face right now. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't handle it no more. That's enough. Which, like I said, you know, people should have the responsibility that they have, right? That you agree to. And that's really, truly unfortunate. But people are people. Yeah. And that's why having an understanding of how decision fatigue, one, exists, but also how it affects us is so important. That's why counseling can be such a good outlet for it. This gives you a place to work through some of these big ones or the stress or the tired Oh, mm-hmm. fatigue. <laughs> the fatigue of all of the weight of some of these decisions. Right. And, you know, like I said, it's it's really sucky that that example comes from judges, from, from yeah. criminal justice and, you know, the system and, and that's not okay. But, I mean, we could see it in all of these other places, too. I mean, think about if you're a working parent, when you come home and your kid didn't clean their room, right? right? Are, are you not more irritated by that on a Monday night than you are on a Saturday morning? You know, like, just are um, as simple as couples trying to figure out what to eat for dinner right you're more tired about that than you are about not knowing what what you want for breakfast you know so it's again it's people being people yeah so the other thing is i would even me just me as my own personal clinician right with my own thoughts and experiences just me i would consider this as like possibly the underlying journey of therapy itself Mm. right And I say that because whether you are having issues with decision-making in general, uh, if you talk about it with your clinician or not, if you specifically address it as decision-making, it always comes up, right? And the journey includes having confidence in your decisions. Right. Committing to your decisions. Right. Um, accepting the outcome of your decisions. And so there's really no avoiding it. Right. Um, especially when you have like real therapy, you know, like, and I, I know that seems silly for me to say, like, as a clinician, but like, you know, sometimes you, sometimes you, you go in and it's, it's not what you expect. You're not able to build a relationship. Um, sometimes you don't want to be there. Right. Sometimes you don't get to go as deep as you want to go. And, and that happens. Right. Would I love for that not to happen? Of course, but that's not the way. (laughs) Right. So sometimes that happens, but like when you have, when you get to have real therapy and you get into the deep depths, you know, like when when things actually happen and you get to learn all of this stuff about yourself, like that is so amazing. And like I said, a journey in itself, you know, that's like the underlying thing of what, of what you got out of therapy. And I think that that, it's really cool, but also, you know, good for you if you had that experience. <laughs> right. And I would say as well, part of the journey is that it's a whole journey, right? It's not a quick fix. Yes. You've got to allow yourself the time to explore and to learn and to mm-hmm. to hash some things out, the whether that's in therapy this- or not. 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but the time and the space, though, yes. because that's what I see is that people don't give themselves the space to grow, especially when it includes other people in, in therapy, right? Um, we know that, like, specifically with families, there's generally a scapegoat, right? So as, right. as fatigued as a parent might feel about, you know, this child who who is misbehaving or whatever the case is, that's a different kind of hard than when that kid starts to behave differently, right? Now that's a new kind of hard. And people are generally not ready for that part, right? Um I don't he's different now. I don't this this is not the same him I know. But How I dare that's what you wanted, right? right. So that so we I say that to say like we have to give each other and ourselves space to be able to grow and and like you said explore and learn. Yeah. So finally, we are going to do a few tips for decision making. Tip number one: go to therapy. <laughs> Tip number two: talk in therapy. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. No, I mean. And that's something <laughs> that's kind of why we're doing this, you know, share yeah. your issues with decision making or decision making fatigue right. with your counselor. If you need to talk it out or you want to know other avenues to explore, don't forget to utilize that in counseling, um, including but not limited to the weight of the decision and the aftermath. Yes. Um, all of these are reasons to be seeking counseling. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll give <laughs> I'll give the ones that we actually are supposed to say now. <laughs> Um, so I guess third, because those two count as much as I was joking, that's also serious. You right. Know? Yeah. We say that all the time. But uh so number three, make a pros and cons list. Mm-hmm. As much as people hate those, it's because you have to face stuff and it's written down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so Yes, write it so, down. Get it out yes. of your mind and body and put it out somewhere else. Right. Write down those pros and cons. Look at it. Evaluate it. Like Michelle just mentioned, talk about the weight of it. Right. Include everything. Next is consider yourself and to validate yourself. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of along the same lines. Right. I was just saying, um, to talk about the weight of the decision, right? Um, so this means talk honestly about how this will impact you, right? You have to be honest about it for the pros and cons list to work. Yeah. And or to help. It doesn't do anything by itself, but right. it helps. <laughs> well, and that's the thing too, of really giving yourself the room to consider all the aspects, the mm-hmm. before, the during, the after. Um, right what it'll mean to you. You know, I think one of the best questions sometimes when we're making decisions or we want to know something or we want something to work out is what will it mean to you if X, Y, Z happens? What would that do? Would that change anything? Would you be a different person? I think the one that people tend to leave out is the after, right? And that's what I mean about like seeking out advice or specifically like the parenting one, right? Mm -hmm. We were talking to a person asked us a question about, you know, having toddlers, small children and um, what she could do in the meantime, the, because the kids need her so much. She, she kept saying it's a season, but that's that advice that I was talking about. You yeah. know, people keep saying, well, you know, this is, um, it's just a season. It'll change, but really it doesn't like they need you more before they need you less. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, there will right. always be a season. And that's not something you don't know. That's just. <laughs> 
that's just something somebody said that didn't do anything. You're still in the same place. So talk talk about the after part. Like, what do you do after that? Yeah, it's nice that you're supposed to like it right now. Or people tell you, you should enjoy this time. But then what about after that, right? Where does it leave us? Absolutely. Right. Another one is, <laughs> along the same lines again, um, I'm all about less input, y'all. Like, <laughs> you don't need 75 people to tell you, make this decision, do this. You know, it always, always there is room for objective, helpful stuff, but you don't need 75 people telling you this is the season, right? That, that didn't do anything for you. And it's just you prolonging, committing to something. Yeah. And sometimes we get so bogged down by the differences of people's opinion or advice or what have you that it can that can make it worse. Let's be honest. Yes. So yeah. one of the good things about us clinicians not making the decision for you and not giving you advice is that you get to sort out the stuff you've already been given. Yes. You know, it's not a place to get more of it. Wait on you. Right. Exactly. And that can even be an additional decision to make because if you're getting different stuff, then it may be a question of who do you listen to? Right. Um, which depending on the client, right? Or you, where you stand, that may be something that weighs even more heavily on you. One that is probably most important to me, or or at least it is now in my life, is take your time. Most decisions do not have as strict of a timeline as we make them out to. I agree. We're not always in a rush. Yeah, I definitely think that we make things more stringent, stringent than they need to be. Like, it's like the, oh, uh, what? Right? right. Like, oh, I have to decide this second of, of what else. It won't be decided. Like, that's. <laughs> yeah. No, that's one of the things even yesterday I was struggling with. I had an email that I needed to respond to. And uh, emails, that's the one. People get so caught up in those emails. Yeah. Well, and, and gosh, I want to say eight or nine times out of 10, you don't have to respond immediately. And exactly. I, I want to make sure I'm responding as soon as I read it. I don't want to forget. But sometimes you just don't need to do that. Yeah. You know, because I needed to make some decisions. I needed to right. think through some things first. And so it's hard, but give yourself a little bit of time before some of these decisions. And it can be done, y'all. I think this is one of the areas that I do a, a very good job of, of like not putting myself in the corner about emails. Now, I still get caught up in the, <laughs> did I want to say this? Is this, you know, coming off right? Do I, how do I, what do I sure. put as my subject line? You know, <laughs> how do I, I still sign get caught off? Up, right. Exactly. I still get caught up in some of it, but I think as far as the time and not being so strict on myself and giving myself time to say what I want to say, time to think about it, time to do some research if I need to. Um, I, I do a pretty good job of that. And so I say that to yeah. say it can be done, y'all. There, <laughs> there is light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> we are here to testify that it is possible. <laughs> but also, you know, there's there's time to sleep on it, right? right? Um, You know, I guess that's a saying for a reason. But there's also room for balance, right? You do not need to sleep on it for a year, right? Right. <laughs> you, 
You don't need to. <laughs> also, there is no need for the back and forth. And I know that people mm. get so caught up in that. Like people have such a hard time committing to their decisions and accepting the outcome of their decisions. But you, you don't have to go back and forth. If it's decided, let it be decided. That be the end of it. You take whatever happens and that's the end, right? <laughs> we moving forward. Yeah, I had a friend who they had made a decision on something and she said that she wasn't freaking out after the decision had been made. Mm-hmm. And so she was concerned. And I was like, well, that's kind of you, though, right? Like, you're much more at peace after the thing, the dust is settled. You know, as soon as that decision is made, you're good. And that's okay. We don't right. have to panic about right. the aftermath even, all the time. Even better for you. Congratulations. Right? You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not about those those going back and forth no we we did this already y'all like (laughs) yeah yeah you've already done it it on the front end don't do it again (laughs) but i'm laughing because i literally tell people that (laughs) yeah we did it already (laughs) right (laughs) like even as far as my supervisor like no we did that (laughs) yeah no i where we can cut out the stress or the worry let's do that Right. If you if you have stress from decision making, don't make the same decision twice. <laughs> right. And guys, we share this because some of this is just stuff we've been through already or that we're still mm-hmm. working on. You know, this is like we said earlier, we're here to testify that we've already done this. You know, we know how this is and how it feels. But we mm-hmm. also both know what it's like to work through this in a counseling aspect, you know, that's a great place to allow some of this stuff to get the attention it deserves. Yes. So those are all the tips we have for you on decision-making. Let us know your thoughts and experiences. Do you struggle with decision-making? And you can start by being honest about that, right? That's a good first step. Do you have suggestions to help with decision-making? And as always, let us know if we missed anything so that we can all learn and grow together. All right. Thanks, y'all. See y'all next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Counseling Clinic with Aisha Jane and Lisa Michelle. Remember to check out our website at thecounselingclinicpodcast.com. And follow us on Instagram at the Counseling Clinic Podcast. We'll see you guys by the next session. Bye, guys. Music provided by scottholmesmusic.com. And our show is edited and produced by...